You are listening to the Equip Podcast. This weekly course seeks to equip our church, and we pray it can help you as well. Check out more resources at rockycreek.church. Uh, as we begin tonight, we're going to be talking about intentional imitation. As we've been looking at discipleship for a little bit, um, and just a reminder, uh, next week is... Father's Day, right? So you got a week. You need to think through that, okay? Uh, but so we will have the five o'clock service. We will not have equipped next week, okay? Because make sure people have time with their their families and whatnot. So we won't have equipped here next week. But uh, we will have our five o'clock service if if you're traveling and whatnot, need to come back through. But I want to talk about uh, intentional imitation. And as we do that, to look at it, think about it this way, that one of the most glaringly apparent omissions, right, in our discipleship is the person doing the discipling. So what a lot of times we omit, we miss, we're not doing, is the person that's supposed to actually be doing the discipling. Our commitment to fleshing out our personal walks with Christ overlooks our need to learn from one another. So what I, what I mean by that, and just to sort of at least set the pace for us a little bit is that we are really good at having a lot of programs and events and resources and content but I think what we desperately need is somebody just a little bit further along the way just saying come let me teach you something I think we just need somebody not not saying they got it all together not that they're perfect not that everything's straightened out but just somebody along the way saying let me let me teach you a little bit um there was a video that Miracle Hill put out a couple weeks ago that was featuring two of our Rocky Creek members. Uh, one is Brooke Smith, the other is Ryan Dirk. And if you didn't get a chance to see it, I encourage you to see it. But uh, Brooke Smith came through the Overcomer program years ago. Was at the five o'clock service just a little while ago with his wife, his kid, you know whatnot, and uh, but had a time where it, it took him two tries to finish the program, uh, and yet there was something that in his story that he shared, which is now years old of what happened during his time. But he said one of the most key influences was the guy who was one of the mentors at the Overcomer Center, a guy by the name of Ryan Dirk. Now many of you guys know Ryan as part of our church who came through the doors just like so many other people come through, through the rescue mission, through overcomers, whatnot, gets clean, receives Christ, comes to be a part of this church, and some people started mentoring him. And when Ryan graduated, he said, this is my church family, right? And then all of a sudden, he finds somebody, he gets married, he's got kids here, and he starts working at Miracle Hill and does this, 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 this. And now, he's actually the CEO of Miracle Hill, which I absolutely love because his story is he walked through the entrance door of somebody who needed the services and why I think it's so important is anybody that I ever see in the ministry of Miracle Hill, I said, don't ever tell me that God can't use you again. Don't ever tell me that you've done too much damage. If the person who is leading this ministry walked through the same door and rode the same van and went through the same process as you, don't say that you can't. And the reason why I bring that story up was so neat was Brooks said at that time, Ryan was a mentor. So he wasn't the CEO. He would just come in and he'd be mentoring guys through the Overcomer program, which he had gone through himself. And Brooks said one of the things that helped him get through because he would get frustrated sometimes and almost feel like he couldn't make it was that Ryan would look at his mentees and say, guys, I'm no different than you. I'm just a couple steps ahead. That's it, right? I'm no different than you. I'm just a couple steps ahead of you. Now, some of you may go, oh, it's a little bit more complicated than that. It's really not, folks. It's not. For where Ryan had graduated the program that Brooks was going through, and so he says, I'm just a couple steps ahead of you. When Brooks gets out and being mentored through that process, Ryan's just a couple steps ahead. At, at every stage of life, 
we, we do ourselves a disservice when we expect that somehow we got to have it all figured out before God can start using us, right? To say, what do you have? Is there somebody that you're just a couple steps ahead that you can start teaching? So let's look a little bit of an outline of how we're going to look at this tonight. First, by starting this. If we're going to talk about what discipleship is and what it's not. True discipleship prioritizes imitation over information. Okay? If we're going to really talk about what discipleship is, what it's not, I think it's got to prioritize imitation over information. So there's got to be somebody just a little bit ahead of you showing you how to do something, right? Um, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been around somebody who was really smart in something, but they could not teach you how to do it? Okay? I know somebody who is so gifted in um, just doing things, figuring out stuff, building stuff, fixing stuff. Can just, I mean, you, you, here's a problem, and this person's going to be able to learn how to figure it out and going to fix it marvelously. But when you say, can you teach me how to do it? It's not a very healthy process, okay? Like, it's, they know how to do it, but they, they don't know exactly how to, how to teach it. On the other side, have you ever known somebody who's got a lot of book smarts, right? They tell you, oh, this is what's problem. It They just can't fix it. Like, they, they, they know what's wrong with it. Oh, this is such and such. Well, tell us. That. They don't. And I think what a lot of times we miss, we're, we're missing this thing. Um, in the church today, we got information as much as we want it, right? I mean, goodness gracious, how many versions of the Bible do you have on your, your shelf? How many books do you have that you hadn't got around to reading just yet, okay? Uh, you can listen to any preacher in the world, right? Some of you are like, really? <laughs> I hate to tell you that. You can listen to a lot better preachers than what you're listening to today. You can listen to anybody. You can go back as far as you want to. Um, you can podcast, books, articles. You can take courses online. We got information. What's missing is the opportunity to imitate somebody. Is to say, let me, let me show you how to do this. Because if you think about it, if you look at what we do in churches, in ministries, it seems like we have a strategy that through our efforts, you would discern that we think the acquisition of quality content is the key to spiritual growth. If we just give you the book, you can figure it out, right? Um, now, uh, are books helpful to our growth? Yes. Absolutely. Conferences and events and sermons and resources. Absolutely. There are many things that I think were life-changing for me. In fact, a lot of times I'll go, oh, I just love this book. And somebody say, what was it about? Mm. It was good. It was really it's about Jesus and, uh, you know, like what I'm supposed to do to follow him. Oh, that book on marriage you read that one time. Was it good? Oh, it was really good. What would you do differently? Um, I... I learned from that you need to take notes when you're reading a book. Okay, right? I mean, like, there's a lot. We have a lot of access for information, but the opportunity, you just think a lot of times, um, and, and this is difficult because I do think these are good resources, but sometimes you need more than that. I believe that each of us requires someone a little further ahead on the journey to point us in the right direction. Do somebody just a little bit further along uh, to say, Hey, I'm just a little bit ahead. I want, want to let you know you need to be careful of the things that are coming up. Uh, the other night, Amanda calls me and says, Hey, are you, uh, where are you on the road? And I told her the position. She said, Okay, I thought you were behind me. You're actually in front of me. She said, 
some truck doesn't have a top on this. Uh, I think they were discarding something from a construction site, and just wood pieces were just flying out of the top of the back of the truck, just going, you know, completely. Cars are swerving out, whatnot. She's like, I don't know what I ran over. She says, I was trying to like protect you to say, like, take a different route, right? And it's just kind of mindset. I'm on this road, I see the dangers, and I'm trying to tell somebody here, don't get a nail in your tire, right? Been here, done that, got the t shirt. It shrinks and you don't want it. Okay, like you just, you have those opportunities. And so I think a lot of times what we need is we've got books, we've got resources, we've got content. We just need somebody sort of just a couple steps ahead pointing us in the right direction. And I would say though that a lot of times people have uh, done a really big disservice. Um, Sometimes I'll hear pastors talk about discipleship and talk about the church of the past as if they've done a horrible job. Uh, I've always told young church planners this, just because you're a critic of yesterday's church does not make you an expert of today's church, you know? It's easy to criticize people in the past. They never did this. They never did this. Okay, well, they must have done something right just to make you so judgmental and, and aware of what should happen, right? They did something right for you to be so confident. But I, I do believe that in all the things we may look back in the church's past or in your life, you may think there are things you miss. But if you've been a part of a church or ministry, you have been discipled to a significant point. And it may have just been through a pulpit or a Bible study or a Sunday school class or a small group. It may have been content that you would say, hey, I've gotten a lot. And you may have been mentored from afar from a lot of people. Um, I, I ran into somebody this week in Due West, South Carolina. If you know where Due West is, you go, what's in Due West? Erskine College. That's it. Okay, pretty much in a subway. Uh, in Due West, South Carolina, I was speaking at some event, and this guy came up to me and said, hey, just want to let you know, he goes, I've been listening to your podcast since you came to this last year. I listen to Rocky Creek podcast every week on Thursdays during my workout. And I'm like, oh, you can't find anything better to do? Um, I'm, that's what I'm thinking, right? Okay, but he says, no, I, I listen to you, and, and I just, I've learned so much. Now, can this guy who listens to a podcast on Thursdays learn something from me? Yes. But is it what we're supposed to just settle with? And I think a lot of times we just settle with it to keep getting more and more information. I believe that without having someone say, follow me, you may be missing something in your spiritual story. Somebody comes along says and says, follow me, you may be missing something in your spiritual story. Let me tell you why this is also very challenging in our day and time, okay? This is um, very careful in what I'm about to say right now, but in our technological age, we are very prone to experts and we are prone to getting information from people that are not in the room with us, okay? It was leaning that way. COVID made it even more so, right? But right now, we have times where... So many people are getting all of their spiritual information from somebody on a screen rather than in the room, around the table. And I think what's dangerous about this, let me tell you what's happening. You have a group of people who are growing up in the church who have never even been in the room with their pastor. Never going to see them, never going to talk to them. Uh, I've always thought, I started telling somebody recently, they were like, I don't want to go into church work. I said, you know, it would be a great job if you want to do ministry, but you want to do church work. Be a, um, uh, a contractor person who does weddings and funerals because a lot of people are in churches that they're not going to have a pastor to know them to do the wedding or the funeral anymore. Um, I had someone come to, to join this church recently. And they said, I, I came here because I realized that I'm never going to know my pastor except other than a face on a screen. 
And then they asked me, they said, so how, how large are you going to let this church grow? I said, are you asking me, are you the last person to join? Is that what you're asking? Okay, like, I like it this size, nobody else, okay? Like, I'm the last one in, right? Um, e- even more so, um, let me give you an example. There's a uh, ministry that's a very big ministry right now uh, that uh, really has set up an impressive technological opportunity for a church to describe to its services and you can watch any teacher, or preacher, or Bible study leader in the world, and it's like Netflix for Bible studies. That sounds pretty good, right? I like so-and-so. I love listening to Tony Evans, or I love so-and-so. Oh, man, I, if they could lead my Bible study rather than Joe, well, you know, Tony Evans is going to speak differently. What's the problem? Tony's not in the room. And what are we missing? We're learning from experts from afar, but we're not close enough to know them. And so we're being built right now in this American Christian culture where we're narrowing the thousands of pastors down to about 20 that are the best communicators. And we're taking potentially thousands and thousands of Bible study teachers and say, let's just get rid of all our Bible study teachers and we're going to give you all a Christian Netflix account. You can pick up whatever Bible study teacher you want to. What are we doing? We're robbing people of using the gifts that God has given them to be able to do in front of people so that they can learn and imitate and do it with someone else. This is the issue right now. That I'm honestly, I'm, I'm scared of what's going to happen to a generation that rises up and only sees people on a screen and never around a table, never in a room, never to know these people. And so what's challenging is we need people close enough to say, follow me. Um, Paul says it this way. Be imitators of me as what? I am of Christ. 1 Corinthians 11.1. So if the goal is I want to imitate Jesus, Paul says you want to do that? Imitate me and you'll do it. Now if anybody other than the Apostle Paul said that, y'all would think that is the most arrogant person in the world. But here are all these Corinthians. We don't know how to follow Jesus. He's not here. And Paul says, well, just follow me and you'll get it. All right, now anybody, okay, let's just imagine. Pastor Travis, I just want to know how to follow Jesus. How do I do it? Just follow me around and do everything I'm doing. You'll be good to go. How many of y'all want to throw that out there? You're like, "Mm -mm." how about this? Do everything opposite of what I typically do, and you'll be in pretty good shape, right? That's what Paul says. You want to follow Jesus, follow me. Because if you follow me as I'm following Jesus, you actually will be following Jesus, right? But it's close. It, it, it's incarnational. It's in a relationship with. So let me give you six common components that I see in our spiritual journeys and see if you see these in it, okay? Uh, in fact, before we look to these six, I want you to think just for a moment of some of the most uh, pivotal things that have ever happened in your life that have made you who you are in Christ, okay? Like, what are what are the things? Was, it, was there a moment that happened, something that took place in your life, good or bad, certain situations that made you be who you are. And, and a lot of times I love to do this exercise with people. I'll just say, give me bullet points of all the stuff that made you who you are, right? Major things in your life, and what I'll find is they're almost always fall in one of these six categories. Let's, let's walk through it together. The first one's called an event. So in our spiritual stories, there's a common component that you and I have events that took place that got our attention. First way to think it through this way is, through what milestones did God change your life? It was an event. It was a one-time thing that happened. It was something that took a hold of you and changed 
everything. You might not even have it on the calendar yourself, but it happened, right? It happened, and, and things changed in your life. It was a milestone. You probably have a few of them if you think about it. If you start going through your testimony, like when this happened here, or that happened there, and, and kind of key components make you who you are. Now, I want you to think about this way as well. Whether a positive or a negative event, those moments often serve as catalysts for growth. Okay? Whether a positive or a negative event, those moments often serve as catalyst for growth. So if I think through, let me give you a couple examples of my life, events that made me who I am today. Um, when I went on my first international mission trip to Tokyo, Japan, it changed everything for me. It, it rattled me so much to the core that that many people outside uh, did not know Jesus and that I need to mobilize my life to get as many missionaries on the field. Like it was a game changer for me when I walked around the cities of Tokyo and started statistically thinking through how many of those people I believed did not know Jesus and therefore were going to spend an eternity in hell. It changed me. I didn't really recover from it, right? It was, it was, and the way you go, like, well, it was a milestone that took place and it changed me who I am. I'll tell you another milestone or event that took place. My parents divorced when I was four years old. You know, what did that do spiritually for you? It caused me to lean hard on the Lord, right? Now, let me ask you this question. Do you think I ever would have scripted and asked for my parents to get divorced? The answer is no. Did God use it to draw me closer to himself? He did. Did, did God use their divorce to make me to think more strategically about my own marriage and raising kids? Yeah, it did. And, and so with this, you probably could list... I don't know how many lists you could. Milestones, right? Events that were pivotal for you. Some of them good, right? Some of them not so good. But God got your attention through it, so you'd put out, okay, this happened, this happened, this happened. Second uh, category is what I call an environment, okay? So event is a milestone that happened one time. An environment is some type of regular thing that you were part of. So what regular faith gatherings shaped who you are today? What are the regular faith gatherings that shaped who you are today? So let me ask you a question. How many of you were drugged to church as a kid before you ever got a vote in the process? Raise your hand. Okay, awesome. Um, some of you, that regular uh, faith gathering helped you walk in Christ, and some of you had a bad experience and it was not helpful, right? Uh, some of you grew up in a youth group culture. Maybe it's a college Bible study. Maybe it was that men's small group, that women's Bible study. It was something consistent, that the regular habit of meeting with these people. So you see the difference? Event happened one time, kind of maybe not even on the count. It just happened, right? Environment was that regular kind of things. If you look back over your life, I guarantee if you're growing in Christ, there was something that happened on the regular that made you who you are today, right? And you might be like, I'm a, it's, it's right now. One of my uh, environments that was so pivotal for me was a college Bible study that I was in when I went to North Greenville. And for the first time in my life, I felt like a group of guys got together and got real about studying the Word and applying it into our lives. And we got in each other's faces in love, but we pushed each other. And it changed everything. I was like, this is different, right? This is way different than what I, I've expected or been a part of for most of my life. Now, these regular faith gatherings served as a consistent greenhouse to grow your faith leanings. Think about it. These environments were like a greenhouse. And over time, uh, you saw growth 
in your own life. And they started to develop things inside of you that made you become who you are today. And with that, it was a helpful and wonderful thing. Now, third category is what's called equipment, right? And so let's look at it this way. Um, in your story, if you're growing in Christ, I guarantee we're going to find some type of equipment there for you. What spiritual disciplines train you to grow in godliness? Okay? What spiritual disciplines train you to grow in godliness? What was it the thing that happened along the way that made you a little bit, uh, I don't know, uh, more prone to, 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 to uh, grow in Christ? It's things that happened in your life. Um, if you think about it, something picked up along the way. Now, now look at this next line. Every person genuinely advancing in faith has some habit they picked up along the way that increased their commitment. Right? Some type of habit took place in your life that grew you up. Um, and that, it's, so it's, it's more than just attending something. You actually started putting this into practice. You started working. You started moving. You started acting a little bit. So with this, it may have been something that you had. Uh, so there was a... Um, this tree I was trying to get down the yard uh, sometime last year. And I remember I got the axe out and Eli said, it's really dull. I said, I'll be fine. I'm strong. Or, okay, I could sharpen that axe, right? Less swings, not as much back pain. And I did that eventually after a few <laughs> for a few swings. I, you know what might be good? To, I, I've got the tool, but sometimes it needs sharpening, right? It needs just sharpening, developing a little bit so that I can actually do what I'm supposed to do with the tools that God's given me. Well, in our spiritual life, God has given us certain tools, right? He's given us the Word. He's given us prayer. He's given us stewardship. He's given us opportunities. And sometimes, though, are you sharpening those things in your life? For, for me, uh, probably the, the, the equipment that I remember changed so much, it was actually, gosh, that, that trip to Japan in college was just so life-changing for me because I finally started memorizing the Word. And within a few weeks, I memorized so many Bible verses, and, and I felt like God was just growing my faith so much. Like it, it, if, you were, if I were to say top ten things in my life that made me who I am today, like that, that equipment was really big and pivotal for me. Number four is engagement. Okay, So this one comes down to now that you're actually doing something for someone else. How did you intentionally invest in another with what you learned? This is a moment of transition. Where it stopped you sitting there and receiving, you actually started to give something out, right? You started engaging and helping someone else with what you're learning. So, um, Vacation Bible School is awesome. Had a wonderful week, but it was crazy for me to think through that, like, when our family got here, all three of my kids were in Vacation Bible School, two were in the children's ministry, one was in the preschool ministry, and now I got one that's just at the top of the children's ministry and two that are in the youth ministry serving because they're too old. And I'm like, what is happening, right, okay? Like this is, they're growing up too fast and whatnot, but there's something so neat when you see your teenage son start serving, you know? Like you just, you, you go by the hallway and you just watch one, teaching recreation and one teaching crafts and these kids coming up and not wanting to talk to Pastor Travis but talk to Obi and talk to Eli. And, oh, they're so cool. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Okay. But like they're, they're just <laughs> learning so much and there's just something so special when you start giving it away, right? You start serving. And, and a change takes place that is, is absolutely life-changing. When a disciple begins to engage in the mission and give, and give one's life away, 
Rapid growth is always a byproduct. When you start taking what you're learning and start giving it to somebody else, it is like a steroid shot of discipleship, right? You you start growing at such a rapid pace. Um, so so if I think through, let me give you just a simple example. Like um, when I when I was asked, I, I was trying to teach. Old Testament, New Testament, of that college university I mentioned when I started teaching there, and, and um, they said, well, can you teach world religions? I said, uh, yeah, I guess I could. They're like, do you know enough about religions? I'm like, well, I've been in almost a religious service in almost every religion in the world. They're like, oh, that's great. I'm like, I wasn't saying that I was trying to convert everybody in it, but yes, I, I've been a part, and I've been in this country, and I've been a part of these things, that you do this. There's one thing to say that I, I learned about Hinduism one time and I took a test on it in college and seminary. It's another thing when you got to prepare the lesson for it. And you know what happened during that time? It stretched me, right? But when I started to get to the place where I actually had to teach somebody else up, my knowledge and understanding had to expand because I'm giving it away to somebody else. So, so with this, it, it's so key for us to, to think through like how you're actually engaging somebody else. So fifth uh, category is encourager, okay? If I were to look back at your story, guarantee I'm going to find somebody who fits this bill. Maybe a few somebodies, but who is that friend or friends who walked beside you and pushed you toward Christ? Do you have somebody in your life? Now this, make sure you understand this because we're going to get to a mentor next. This is not necessarily a mentor. This is just somebody beside you. This was a friend. This was somebody that's in the same stage of life. And you just kind of went through this together. It might have been an accountability partner. It may have just been your best your friend growing up. But this was somebody who pushed you towards Christ. Do you ever, can you think about somebody, maybe you have now, like this person's pivotal in my life. Man, they encourage me. And sometimes I don't feel like getting up and doing this. But So, so this is the encourager, somebody that you have. And what I understand is that most growing disciples had people spurring them on during critical junctures in their life. You've had a place in your life where you did not feel like getting up and following Jesus, but maybe you had somebody in your corner saying, yes, you are. Come on. Come on with me. And to make sure that they continue to follow after. So do you have those encouragers in your life? Can you think about somebody in your life that's been an encourager to you? Somebody help push you along the way? Uh, been there, might even been nagging at a couple times, right? When you didn't want to hear stuff, but was very faithful in and doing this. And then the sixth category is what I'd call the example. In your spiritual journey, have you ever had that mentor a little bit of further along from you? Who is the example you aspired to follow? Think about it that way. Was there an example, somebody along the way that you aspired to follow? They had something that you wanted. Maybe it's just a knowledge of God's word. Maybe it was, man, I just want to have a marriage like y'all have a marriage. Teach me how to do that, right? Maybe you were around them and they shared faith or they taught something or they helped people or they just had this compassionate, kind spirit. And you go, ah, just can I get a double portion of that? Like that, that sounds like it was just somebody just a little bit ahead of you that you thought, man, that's something that I want to have. This mentor displayed a rare personification of living for Jesus that seemed mesmerizingly contagious. Have you ever had somebody in your life that you looked at what they had and it was just contagious? It, it kind of mesmerized you, right? It's like, wow, I, I want deeply what that person has. 
I don't know how to get it. I don't know what the formula is that, that puts it out there together, but I do know this. I want it. Like I, um, Can you think there's somebody in your life that you've just seen a little bit ahead of you? You just go, whew, I want that. Man, I'd love to see that. And, and so what takes place is uh, we have oftentimes, or at least hope to, that there is somebody in our life that uh, provides those things for us, and it does seem contagious, and you want to be around them. So if I think through those examples, uh, this is what I know. So um, a lot of times I use these little symbols here that help me uh, kind of like think through uh, what some of these things are. So this star represents the event for me. So like if I were to ask you, like what was a key event? I, I mentioned some stuff in my life that had to do with family that was like, okay, this was a key event in my life. Uh, I mentioned Japan to you. Uh, those kind of key moments happen in my life. I, my writing's so great, I know, by the way. Um, you probably want to be like me in my handwriting. Okay, um, but these were events that took place in my life. I mentioned uh, that when I was a part of a college group, that environment, right, it was those group of guys that kept continually pushing me forward. They were making me more and more like Jesus. I said in there about um, uh, Scripture memory was that type of equipment that was so key in, in my story uh, when I started actually giving uh, or learning more in that. The, the down arrow represents when you're engaged, you're, you're giving something away. And, and I can remember for me, it was when I was a youth intern at my church. Um, I would do anything they asked. Like, y'all want somebody to run PowerPoint? I'll do that. You need somebody to play bass? I'll do that. You need somebody to take out the trash? I'll do that. You know what? I just want to be around. I want, I want to help. I want to serve. I want to be busy. And that was such a key thing for me uh, in my life. That uh, encourager that's alongside you, right? That person that's beside you. Um, when I was in college, my roommate's name was Philip Howell. Uh, we went to high school together. We weren't really close friends, but we decided to room together. We went to North Greenville, and we roomed together. Uh, and we grew in Christ so much, and to this day, we are accountability partners. That was over 20 years ago now, 20-ish years ago, okay? We still uh, try to. There's sometimes where, since he's a pastor, I'm a pastor. Sometimes we, we have a set time we're supposed to call each other on Thursdays, and we try to hit that every week. Sometimes we can't, but on Thursdays, we just call and check in. And so I'm driving in. How are things going? You being a good husband? You being a good daddy? How are you reading the Bible? What's going on in your life? Anything you need to pray about? Anything I need to push in on? And sometimes we encourage each other. Sometimes we rebuke each other. Sometimes we push each other. Sometimes we pull each other. And it's something that I, I need in my life, right? And I have that person who's coming alongside me. He was, he was the guy that throughout every stage of my life when it was uh, figuring out vocation stuff or a marriage and family and whatnot, like he's that sounding board for me, right? We're, we're kind of going alongside to uh, make sure that we're in the same place. And if I think about that example, um, probably the, the biggest example that was pivotal in my life uh, was a guy by the name of Adrian, okay? Um, Adrian uh, is a, um, a speaker in South Carolina. Some of you might have heard Adrian Dupre uh, is a speaker in the area. And when I was in college, he was a very intense evangelist that uh, I was working at a couple of events that he was speaking at, and I never heard anybody preach as bold and passionate and put you on the edge of your seat because you don't know what he's about to do next yet. But I also like, so if I ever had the opportunity, this is how it was like, if he was going to speak somewhere and he needed to go to the airport, I would say, can I drive you to the airport just so I can get 30 minutes in the car with you? 
Like, I, I just, I wanted to learn what this guy had. Uh, this would be at this event. He's like, hey, I got to get this stuff prepared. Uh, I need some props that are, I need to get some wood from outside in the woods. I'm like, I'll go with you. You know, I just would do anything. He, he's, he's speaking at North Greenville. I get up, what time do you get up in the morning and get breakfast? About 6 o'clock <laughs> in the morning, a.m., right? Yep, okay, I'll, I'll get there, right? I wanted what he had. He was the guy, you probably heard me sometimes talk about the guy who gave a Bible study without a Bible. Amen. He just said, hey, what y'all want to learn about the Bible? Ask me any question. And he just started, boom, boom. The Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. And I just started trying to ask questions just to stump him to see how deep it went, and it went that deep. I, I would be with him and to see how he could come up to somebody and just share the gospel just right on the spot. I'd see the way that he would talk and brag about his wife and how he would encourage and, and have a passionate heart for ministry. And there was something in that, that that I deeply wanted. Now, I'm also saying this about Adrian. Um, he lived in Columbia. I went to school in Greenville. He lived in Columbia. I lived in Greenwood. I was around him a few times. And I would say he was one of the most pivotal examples in my life. And yet, there's something sad about that. And you go, well, that's a great example. It wasn't consistent. It was somebody that I would see every so often rather than somebody in the natural ebb and flow of my life that's saying, come over and get dinner with me and the family and watch this. Hey, let's open up God's Word together. Let's pray through this. Let's get on our knees right here, right now. Let, let's do these things together. And the reason why I share that is I believe that mentoring, a close personal mentor is probably the missing element in most of our stories. While your story may contain many of those elements that I mentioned, those six elements, an intentional example is often lacking. And Now, once again, I'll say, I had people that were examples for me, but most of them were very far removed from my life and were occasional things, right? The first guy who ever said, I want to disciple you, lived in a different state than me. How do you disciple somebody in a different state? You get on the phone. Is that ideal? No. But, but it's what I had, right? And, and so... You probably, and I would encourage you, if you want to do this exercise, look through those six things and think like, okay, what are those six things that pull in my life? And you probably along the way had a pastor, had a parent, somebody a little bit, hey, man, look at that, I want that. But what I find most people say is that Christians often feel that their mentoring happened by default rather than by design. It just happened by kind of way of life rather than somebody intentionally saying, come follow me, let me teach you some stuff. I'm going to take you where you are, and I'm going to help you get a little bit further along the way. Why do we not want to do that? It sounds prideful. It sounds arrogant. We don't feel like we have enough. We don't feel like we know enough, and so we don't do it. And so, therefore, another generation is going to be going without a mentor. At some point, this thing's got to stop, right? At some point, somebody's got to say, okay, I'm going to do this. Discipleship is often caught more than taught, and we need people in our lives from whom we can learn how to follow Jesus. I'm teaching discipleship, and I got a microphone, and I got a podium right here, and we got notes and a keynote presentation and whatnot, and I'm going to tell you, this is not ideal. Now, it's what I'm going to do tonight, because this is the, the platform that I've got, but let me tell you, a better situation for discipleship will be the hour and a half drive I got in the truck with my boys tomorrow morning. That's a really good spot for discipleship. You know why? Because we can get real. We can get specific. 
we can figure out where they are, and we can learn how to continue to get there. It's often caught more than taught. Yes, I can give you a lesson, but deep down, the greatest lessons I have learned from other people is watching them up close. Amen. Just seeing it, right? Just seeing it laid out, and that's what's changed in me. Now, I do want to just tell you something that I think is so unique, okay? Um, because what happens in the church today is I've seen this. I don't know how many times I will hear somebody say, I asked so-and-so to be my mentor. I asked so-and-so to disciple me. That makes sense. But when you look at the life of Jesus, was Peter asking to be discipled by Jesus? What happened? Jesus said, hey, Peter, drop that net and come follow me. Peter did not say, you know what I feel like doing? Being unemployed, Jesus. Can I come follow you, homeless guy, and learn everything from you? Jesus said, Peter, I want you to drop that. I want you to come follow me. Matthew, leave that tax booth and come after me. Matthew's not asking. He's not signing up. He is not signed up on a website. He's not going through a program. Jesus sees him and says, you come after me. And you go, well, the same result might happen. No, it won't. This is such, it, it got so clear to me a few years ago that I believe this would be such a missing element that a severe deficiency in our discipleship process is that mentees seek mentors, yet mentors are often not taking the initiative with potential mentees. Most of the time, we go up to somebody and say, would you mentor me? Will you teach me? Will you disciple me? If you're bold enough, if you're spiritual enough, if you're crazy enough to go and ask somebody that. And I don't think that's a bad ask. I just would love to be in a time in the church when you didn't have to ask that because the mentors were seeking out the mentees. What would happen? Y'all think about this crazy for a second. What if every person in our church family had somebody a little bit further ahead approach them and say, hey, you're doing great, and I love seeing what the Lord's doing, but I'm just about, I don't know, 10 years older than you. Your kids are at this stage, mine are kind of out of it, and I'd just love to, I don't know, meet with you for the next six months and just teach you some stuff. Can I do that? What if everybody in the church had a conversation like that that they didn't initiate with a mentor, but a mentor initiated that with them? Let me tell you right now, Every single young mama in this church right now wants some mother that is 10 to 20 years older than them to tell them they're going to make it and they're not crazy. Every single one. Every single man in this church is concerned about the next stage of life and wants to hear from somebody that they're going to make it through that. Right? Every single one. And yet... We all have our individual walk with Jesus. And we're missing out on all this wisdom that God has given those that are just a couple steps ahead. Our negligence to pass on lessons learned to those behind us invites others to repeat our mistakes and remain ignorant of our guidance. When my wife called me and said, there's trash on the road, be careful. She is saying, I have run over something and I don't want you to as well. Folks, that's what the church is supposed to be. Right? That's what the church is supposed to be. I have been talking recently with so many different people who are going through some very hard times in their life, and I've been trying to, to say this to them. Like they just needed somebody along the way to say, be careful here. I read this book. Um, oh, goodness gracious. See, I read a book, and I can't remember what it was. It was really good, though. Uh, no, this, this is what the book said. I can at least remember the premise of it. Um, he said... Uh, yeah, okay, Russell Moore, Storm uh, Toss Family. Okay, got it. 
He says that um, when he was a young father, he needed somebody to tell me, we're going to make it out of the, the diaper changing stage, right? Okay, like, we're going to survive this, and there's coming a day. He said, but now as a, as a man who's got older sons, like, I need somebody to tell me, like, how to navigate the middle life crisis phase. I need somebody to prepare me for the empty nest phase. Like, people prepare me for the diaper phase. They're not preparing me for this, right? And I think every single one of us, we just need people a little bit further along the way showing us what to do. And so when we come together and think through having disciples and mentors and mentees, I always say it this way, that having a discipleship plan is good for an individual. It's better with a partner, but it is best with one thing and one thing alone, and that is having a mentor. A discipleship plan is good for an individual. Better with a partner, but best with a mentor. Somebody who can say, let me show you the way to go. So um, today we got to baptize six folks, which is awesome. One, uh, uh, if you were at the 1030 service, one young man, teenager that was baptized, uh, Pastor Jeremy got to baptize him, and he kind of referenced the story, and it was so cool because last Sunday, getting the kids in the car, and uh, Obadiah looked at me and said, hey, Dad, I want to tell you this story that I had. I got there to gospel group, and not all the other guys had gotten there yet, and so I just asked this guy how he's doing, blah, 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 and then we just start getting talking about our relationship with Christ because I knew that at some point he was unsure. And he goes, well, I am a follower of Jesus. He goes, have you ever thought about being baptized? He said, no, I just, I'm kind of scared. I'm a little nervous about being in front of people and whatnot. And, and, and so, but I said, well, let me tell you what, what it means and what it's meant to me and whatnot. And, you know, encouraged him in this. And I got in the car after that and says, I think my friend's about going to get baptized. And I said, well, why? He goes, I think because I just encouraged him. I said, well, how'd you do that? I just told him it wasn't that bad, and it's really cool, and you can do it. I was like, that's kind of a crazy thought, right? Here's a 14-year-old looking at another 14-year-old. One's been baptized, one hasn't, and saying, it's going to be okay, and it's a special part in your life. You can do this, man. And so today, like I'm sitting there watching this 14-year-old get baptized by Jeremy, and he tells a story about he received the gospel at a Good Friday service last year. I go, oh, awesome. You know, i got to somewhat be a part of that, right? Maybe I was preaching that service. Oh, praise the Lord, right? And then I'm watching Jeremy baptize and going, and my son got to have a part in that story, right? Just by a simple conversation, I'm a little bit ahead of you, not better than you, just a few steps ahead of you in this area, and let me tell you what it means and how you can do it. And why is that so important? Because I want you to see this verse here on your page when it says 1 Corinthians 4.15, and I hope that this verse wrecks your evening in the best type of way. For though you have had countless, what? Guides in Christ. You do not have many, what? Many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Paul looks at this church, who is full of a bunch of train wrecks, by the way. If you haven't read that book, they got issues. He said, you people have had countless gods in Christ. Let me ask you, church member, have you had countless gods in Christ in your upbringing? Pastors, preachers, authors, speakers, teachers, leaders, inspirational people, stories and whatnot. Man, I, I, I had more sermons in college, okay, than I can even begin to imagine how many times I heard. I read so many books of different people. I, I remember forgetting names of different stuff. I've had countless gods. You know what I've had? A few spiritual fathers. Maybe you've had few spiritual fathers, few spiritual mothers. If you look at 2 Timothy 2, 2, it says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to what? Faithful men 
who will be able to teach others also. You have there on your note that that men is a Greek word called anthropoi. It can mean to men or just men and women, depending upon the context. I want to make sure you understand this. This verse is not just about men getting ministry. This is about this. Take whatever you got, pass it on to somebody who's going to pass it on to somebody else. That's discipleship, folks. As simple as I can make it. It's tell your son that baptism is important so one day he's going to tell his friend that baptism is important so that one day some, he's going to tell somebody else that baptism is important. It's just take what you got and pass it on to somebody else. And so I bring this to you guys just to prayerfully consider tonight. Is there anybody in your life that you're just a couple of steps ahead of? You might say, not that I know. I'm, I'm way in the back of the line, okay? Maybe. But I imagine there's got to be somebody in your life. It might be a kid. It might be a grandkid. It might be a friend. It might be somebody. And you might say, well, I'm barely even in the church. Okay, you know somebody out the church then? <coughs> somebody a little bit further along? What can you take and say, hey, I want to teach you some things that I'm learning right now. I don't have it all together. But I'm whatever I got, I'm going to give to you. And I'm going to help you get forward. And you're going to bypass some mistakes of mine. And you're going to learn some things. And I'm going to let you go further and faster for the kingdom of God. What could happen? If we could tell people in our life, imitate me as I'm imitating Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the fact, for all the countless guides that we have had in Christ. Lord, I pray that you would raise up in this church family and in so many others. We need more than countless guides in a book, from a microphone, on a screen, through a device, through a social media situation through an online Bible study. We need fathers. We need mothers. We need people who are invested in our lives and not just experts that are far away. We've got plenty of those. And God, I thank you for them. I thank you for the podcasts I listen to, the books that I read. I thank you for the lessons from afar. But God, I thank you especially for those that have been up close and personal that have not just taught me what to do. they taught me how to do it. And Lord, I pray that you would start a movement in this church where we could see that day come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Equip Podcast. Make sure to check out rockycreek.church for complete notes and additional resources. You can also subscribe to this podcast and get weekly courses delivered to you. We hope to equip you for the work of the ministry.